give him a shout of praise. Come on, the glory is here. I said the glory of God is here. I said the glory of God is in this place. Somebody praise him while you're standing in his glory. Somebody praise him while you're standing in his power. Somebody praise him. Hey! Pastor Young, we want you to come and do whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost. Somebody give God another praise as he comes. Come on, give God the greatest shout. Shout with the voice of triumph. Can you shout louder than you clap? Can you shout loud because he's given you the victory? Turn to about five people and tell them, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Amen. There's no telling what God will do if you will believe. There is no telling what God will do you will believe he'll heal your body he'll save your soul he'll cleanse your mind and make you whole there is no telling what God will do if you believe he'll heal your body He'll save your soul. He'll cleanse your mind and make you whole. There is no telling what God will do if you believe. Turn to somebody, tell them, I believe tonight. I believe tonight. Amen. You can go to your seats or do whatever you feel like doing. But I wouldn't leave. Amen. Something good's going to happen tonight. I said something good's going to happen tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you need a healing, I'd get up on my feet and throw my hands in the air and say, I believe my healing's in this house. If you need a financial miracle, I'd get up on my feet and say, I claim it in Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. this week you can't wait two weeks you need a miracle this week throw your hands up and claim it right now in Jesus name in Jesus name I speak it by faith right now I claim it right now right here right now not next month not two weeks I need it in the next seven days I claim it in Jesus name God. Amen. On your way back to your seat, tell him I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Amen.
Hallelujah. If you get your Bibles out, we're going to Luke chapter 4 and John chapter 4. Luke and John. And while you're turning there, I am so honored to be at the Rock Church in Fort Myers. And I love Bishop Randy Randall Williams. Amen. And his lovely wife, they, they are, they're just altogether lovely. Super fragile, what is it? Super fragile, casualistic, expialidocious. Amen, whatever that means. And man, these two young men, I love them. Thank God for them. How about these, these worship band members? Y'all thank God for these young men. Amen. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful congregation. I, I appreciate what I feel. There are, there are churches you go to that have a, a feel about them. You can, you can figure out within the first 10 minutes what, it, what it's going to be like. And, and I can tell as a preacher, well, this is going to be, this is going to be tough tonight. Or, or you, boy, this is going to be good. You, you know what I'm talking about? You, you just, you can get in there in like five minutes. You're like, oh, I'm going to have to work tonight. And the Holy Ghost is going, yeah, tell me about it. But I don't feel anything but revival in this house tonight. I, what do you say? We just take our faith. Let's get a big bowl and let's put the word of God in our faith and let's just start stirring. And let's see what will happen when we mix the word of God with our faith. Anything is possible. Praise God. Amen. And I am so happy to be here with you. And uh, I, I hope you will put pressure on your pastor to invite me back. Just, just. Just keep bugging him. It, 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 even if you don't want to hear me, I need the encouragement. So uh, I mean it. I really appreciate the hospitality and the, the basket, whoever did all that, and, and uh, the wonderful meal today and fellowship. And uh, I'm looking forward to just chilling tomorrow. I need, a, I, need a, I need a chill Monday. I've been having too many manic Mondays. I'm ready for a chill Monday. Uh, and I couldn't think of anybody better I'd rather do it with than the Williams family. Amen. So if y'all need counseling, don't call in tomorrow. Y'all wait till Tuesday when I'm gone. Y'all need money, call somebody else. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 and uh, verse number 18. You know this passage well. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Everybody say, them that are bruised. Now let's turn over to the next gospel account. Let's go to John chapter 4. And one verse of scripture there as well. I preached from it this morning. I mentioned it while I was preaching. Jesus says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. Everybody say, look. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The field was ready for harvest. Now, I, I could come up with a real fancy name for this, like the kingdom of the bruised, but you'd forget that. But I'm going to give you one you won't forget. Lessons from the banana man. Lord, have mercy. I'm thinking of chocolate and ice cream right now. I'm feeling like we need a, a hot fudge Sunday, banana split Sunday on Sunday. 
How many want God to give you a revelation tonight? Now, now I live in California, but I grew up in Louisiana. You can tell I'm really from there. I didn't say Louisiana. It's Louisiana. Les bon Let the good times roll. I, I grew up, I, I'm, I'm from deep Cajun country, right? And, and let, me, let me tell you about Cajuns. We like it fried and blackened. I mean, you, you, you can eat roadkill if you got enough pepper. You fry it deep enough, you can, you, can, you can cook an old shoe and make it taste good. But I tell you, the other thing about people from South Louisiana is we like to tell stories. Some of them are true. So I'm really not that much of a preacher, but I'm a Cajun from way back. And I, my, my real name is not Young. That was what one of my ancestors put on it. Our name is actually Lejeune, which means the young. So I'm, I'm going to take you back. We're going to be in a cypress swamp, in a cypress shack on the front porch. And the mosquitoes, I don't know how big they are, but I just heard one ask the other, should we eat him here or take him home? We're swinging on the front porch. We're drinking sweet tea. And mama's fixing chicken gumbo with sausage. Shout this is going to be good tonight. We're going to eat from the word of the Lord. Y'all ready? Amen. And we're going to get a lesson from the banana man. Give somebody a handshake and say, are you ready to go to school with the banana man? You may be seated. All of you that are watching online, yes, we have lost our mind. Amen. The late 1800s were coming to a close. As a new century approached, a poor 15-year-old Jewish immigrant from Russia arrived in the sleepy little town of Selma, Alabama. He had come from New York City, uh, but in an attempt to find a way to make a living, his family, one of his family members, owned a dry goods store in Selma, and he found his way as a 15-year-old boy down south like so many that were trying to find a new life in a new world. His name was Sam, Sam Zamuri. He was a young man that was very focused. Uh, as he would grow older, it became evident how focused he was. He was a hard worker. He was highly motivated. He had recognized that he had an opportunity in a new world and where he had been without for so long and, and with his Jewish family fleeing persecution and looking for new opportunity, had an opportunity in Selma and he wanted to get the most out of it. And it was in Selma that Sam tasted and saw his very first banana. Now, that, that doesn't sound very interesting to you. But understand, in the late 1800s, bananas were new to the United States. Some of y'all didn't know that. Y'all thought bananas were just here. They weren't. And uh, it, was, it was a new commodity. It was a new fruit. And many people, other than in the bigger cities, very few people in the rest of America had ever even heard of a fruit with such a strange name, a banana. Just funny, funny name, banana. Like, couldn't they come up with another name? Banana. It's like walkie-talkie. I mean, couldn't they come up with a better name than walkie-talkie? We're going we're gonna to invent a, 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 a thing that you can communicate in the middle of war, and we're going to call bombs down there, and what are you going to call it? A walkie-talkie. Sippy, sippy. Banana. Nobody had ever heard of a banana except a few. 
And uh, it, was, it was so new, like the rest of the people, people didn't know what to do with a banana. They had never seen a banana. It, was, it wasn't like an apple. You, you, I mean, you could peel an apple, but most people just picked it and, and ate it. And then when they started trying to peel it, it was so weird to them, Life Magazine actually had to do an article on how to peel a banana. Because it was squishing out and splitting apart and getting all over. And it was so messy. And, and then they said, it is the perfect food. It comes within its own container. And it was a new exotic fruit. It was a new import to the United States of America. And Sam was captivated by this fruit. He, he had never seen it. And he's in Selma, Alabama. Now, now in all honesty... The banana that Sam saw, you have never seen if you were over age 50. Because they were called the Big Mikes. Big Mikes no longer exist because of a disease that ravaged uh, the banana uh, crop across the world. And those bananas are no longer in existence. And, and before you feel too sorry for Big Mike, you need to feel sorry for those bananas on that table. Because the time, by the time your kids are 50, this one probably won't exist either. Because there's disease running and they can't find a cure. Oh man, well I guess there will be some other kind of banana that shows up. I've depressed some of you now. But it was so new and so wild and so exotic. He was, he was captured by this strange looking fruit and then he was given the opportunity to taste it while he was downtown Selma, Alabama. And as he tasted it, he had never tasted, I mean, it didn't taste like an orange. It didn't taste like an apple. It didn't taste like a peach. It didn't taste like a strawberry. He had never had anything like a banana and a banana is powerful. It'll take over everything in your fridge. You can have a filet mignon, leave it in with a banana, and tomorrow your, your steak tastes like bananas. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sam was captivated. He wanted to know about these bananas. He got intrigued. And he found out that they were being imported and they were placed on big boats and brought from Central America and, and brought into the United States and it was, it was taking hold. And so he, he was intrigued and he, he wound up at the Mobile Bay, down in Mobile, and, and he watched as the ships were offloading bananas. And he watched as they were bringing these big, they, they were just just big groupings of bananas and, and the hard workers and, and, and it, was, it was dangerous work because in all those big clusters of bananas there were scorpions that would hide out and they would bite the workers and so they'd shake them and do all this stuff and they would offload them and then to his amazement he watched as they took some bananas and put them in carts and put them in wagons and took them to the trains headed to New York and Chicago and, and Milwaukee and across to Los Angeles. And then, but he noticed as they were unloading some of these bananas, they would open up a bay and they would look at bananas and then they would throw them overboard. He was intrigued. Why are they keeping those bananas but they're throwing away those bananas? He began to inquire. He was inquisitive. And as he began to talk and ask questions, he was shocked to find out that what they were doing is they were throwing away the ripes. The ripes were already ripened, thus the name the ripes. But the greens were being kept. The reason was is because there was only a short window where bananas were good. They had to make the trip from Central America over boat to the port, onto the train, then shipped to the city, dropped off at the market, taken to the supermarket. And if you had a ripe, it was already bruised. It was already to the point that it was ready to eat now. And so what we needed, we need the greens because we've got to have the time to get to Chicago. 
Sam Zamuri said, but they're throwing all those ripes away. He went over and he stopped one of the guys that was about to, he said, hey, hey could, I, could I have that cluster of bananas? He said, sure. He handed them to him and he opened up and ate it. He said, you're going to throw away some more? Oh, yeah. He said, I'll be right back. He had scraped together some money. He went down to the train uh, yard and he, he found a car that was empty. He said, hey, I got this amount of money. Could, could I rent the car? You're going up such and such a track. Yeah, he had done his homework. He said, if I could load some bananas, you're going through Selma, right? Yeah, we're going through Selma. He said, I'm going to have some bananas. Could I rent the car just as far as Selma? Sure, son, we'll do that. He paid the money, and it was an empty car, just taking up space. So the conductor and the people thought, well, that's just easy money. And he went, and he went back to the boat, and he said, hey, I want, I got this amount of money. He said, I want to take all the ripes you've got. He got back to the train with this, th these loads of, of ripe bananas, and he got there, and, and the guy on, the, on the, uh, the deck there at the train said, what are you doing? He said, I'm taking these bananas. They're bruised. They're battered. But what he saw was a treasure. And he said, I'm going to take these to Selma, and my family and friends are going to want them. Can we get there quick? He had a window of time. Well, the, the conductor said, well, if you're taking them to Selma, he said, why don't we go to the telegraph office? We're going to be stopping two or three times before we get there. They may want some bananas there. And they sent out a telegraph, hey, we're bringing some bananas if you're going to be around. Maybe your friends and family. And when they got to the first stop, there was a crowd of people that wanted bananas. They got to the next stop, same thing. There was a crowd of people. And by the time they got to Selma, he didn't have any bananas left. But he had discovered a market. And young Sam, at 15 years old, what everybody saw as bruised, scarred, overripe, ready to throw away, he said, I'll take them. And in 1899, he sold 20 thousand ripes. In 1903, he sold 574,000 ripes. And by today's standard, by the time he was 21 years old, he made his first one million dollars. Some of you are trying to figure out what's going to be your plan. Brother Williams, he said, man, I, 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 found, I found a market here. He said, now what I need to do is, what if I not only had them here, what if I owned the land where they were being planted? What if I owned the railroad that transported them? And what if I owned the ships that brought them in? He's starting to figure out, I can make money at every part of this. And before it was over, he went and bought land in Honduras, in the swampy regions of Honduras. He planted bananas. He wound up entering to a merger. A book was written called The Fish That Swallowed the Well because little Sam Murray grew up to be one of the most powerful businessmen that ever ruled. He literally started a war in Central America. He took over the United Fruit Company. He owned the railroad company. He owned the boats. The guy that worked for him was named Dulles, whose big brother went to work for the CIA, and Dulles Airport is named after him. Little Sam the Banana Man built an empire on what everybody else thought was no good. The world wanted this. The business world wanted this. But Sam the banana man said, I got a window of opportunity. What everybody else thinks is trash, I see as treasure. 
I came to preach to the rock church. Sam wasn't the first one to build a kingdom on the bruised. Sam wasn't the first one that looked at things and said, I can use that. Sam wasn't the first one that looked at people who were bruised and scarred and battered and said, I'll build a kingdom with that. Jesus is walking down the road. Man, I like that offering revival you preached a while ago. It just don't know me who your daddy is. There ain't no denying it. The disciples are hungry. They're going to go get something to eat. They said, let's go. Let's go to Wendy's. Jesus said, I ain't going to Wendy's. I must need go to Capone's. I must needs go to Samaria. And Jesus, I, I, I'm going to show you this story in maybe a little different fashion than you've ever thought of it before. Jesus walks into Samaria and he comes up to a well. And there he is seated on the well. There as he's seated, a woman walks up. He looks at her and says, give me water to drink. And she's immediately kind of taken back. And she evidently recognized that he's different from her. And she says, you being a Jew, how is it that you ask of me? For a drink of water. So right there, she throws us into a whole world of separation. She's a part of a world and a culture that, that looks at people one way than they do other people. And she says, how is it that you're a Jew, that you're asking me a woman of Samaria? Because we, do, we don't have any dealings with one another. We're in two different worlds. There's too much history here. and uh, We're not accepted by you and you're not accepted by us. Jesus looks back at her and I love this. I love this from a Bible study perspective. He says to her, if you knew who it was that was speaking with you, you would ask me for water. But since you didn't, I'm going to initiate the encounter. I like that. That's lessons in Bible study 101. When it don't happen the way you want it to happen. You got to stir it up yourself sometime. He said, if you knew, you would have asked. But since you don't, I'm going to initiate this conversation. And I'm going to create some, some, some connection here for this conversation to begin. And he looks at her and he says, whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. And then notice what she says. Sir, give me this water. The very thing he had just said was, if you knew, you would ask. He worked it, and she asked. He's bad, man. I mean, he is bad. Now she's asking. She's now been drawn in. And Jesus looks at her and says, go call your husband. I mean, I can see her. I have no husband. And he says, yeah, you said that right. Because you have five and you shacking up with somebody right now. And then I, this is funny. This story is funny to me. She goes, I perceive you're a prophet. you to get out of that is I think the details are there on purpose. Is because Jesus is showing us he saw every problem in her life. He knew she had issues. He knew that her life was bruised. He knew that there was some scars. Everybody else was ready to throw her away. But here's 
what's amazing that we often miss. Jesus said, think about this, Brother Brennan. The hour has come and what? Now is. That the Father seeketh the true worshipers. Now, folks, I don't know how many people have missed that in the story. But it may be the most overlooked detail in that entire story. Is that when it came time to show what the father was looking for. He was looking for a true worshiper. And to display a true worshiper, he did not go to the Sanhedrin. He did not go to the temple. He did not go to the palace, but he went to a woman with issues of five marriage and in an adulterous fornication affair. He displayed a woman with issues. And to that conversation, Jesus said, the hour miss that. Some of you, you got friends and family that look like this. And their life is so bruised and so scarred. And you think back when they were younger and oh, it looked so neat, it looked, looked so pretty hanging. And then you're like, And Jesus shows up, and there's the temple, and there's the palace, and there's the Sanhedrin. And he says, the hour's come, and now is, that the Father seeketh a true worshiper. I can use that right there. This story amazes me. At that point, she says, I know. I know the Messiah is coming. And when he gets here, he's going to show us all things. There's not a doubt in my mind. As soon as she said it, it just dawned on her. Oh, wait a minute. He just told me I have five husbands and I'm shacking up. Uh, and Jesus looks and goes, yeah. I that speak to you, I am he. You know what the Bible says she did? That's all she needed. She left her water pot and ran into the city. Now, I, I'm going to mess with y'all right now, okay? I don't know how y'all viewed that story. That story's funny to me. Because now the disciples come back. He leaves Samaria. Jesus walks up and all the disciples are having like a general council meeting. They're all hanging around talking. And, and uh, hey, would you like something to eat? We've been to Wendy's. He looks at them and says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Where'd you eat? Where'd you eat Samaria? They don't have nothing there. But what had happened, while they're talking, all of a sudden the crowd starts coming out of the city. Because this chick went back into town. And you got to get this picture. She walks into town and said, y'all. I don't know, she must have been from the south. She said, y'all. She said, y'all got to see this man. Now think about that. This chick knows about men. What you talk about? I met a man. Oh, what's new? Oh, that, no, this man's different. Yeah, you said that on number three. No, 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 I 
I mean, this guy, he talks different. Yeah, that's what you said about number four. Yeah, but, but, but he knows things. Yeah, that guy you shack it up, he knows everything too. That's why he's at your house and you're paying all the bills. Boy, I killed the devil right there. Some of you need to kick that joker out of your house. He, he's mooching off of you. You don't need no man that don't want to be your husband. Kick him out of your bed and say, go get a job. Then come back and talk to me. I don't know where that came from. It just showed up and hit me in the back of the head. She said, no, 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 it ain't like that. I'm not sleeping with this one. He ain't coming to my house. And suddenly they begin to see something different in her. And they come out of the city. And the, the entire city is turned upside down by this woman. And, and when they come out, the disciples are there in a huddle. And they're all talking. They're trying to figure out how they, they're going to they're get the next meal and everything they're going to do in their ministry plan and how they're going to have this program and where they're going next. And Jesus goes, uh, hey, guys, lift up your heads. They're in this huddle. Brother Orrin, they're, they're like, they're just, they're just sitting there talking and they're debating and they're arguing. And, and Jesus goes, hey, lift up your heads. Look. You're trying to figure out how you're going to do ministry? Look. The fields are already white with harvest. Because coming out the city were people that were looking for this man that had given a woman a drink of water, she would never thirst again. She was the key. Hear me, Rock Church. She was the key to a citywide revival. The disciples didn't even want to go by there. They wanted to get over to where all the fancy fruit was and all the rich fruit was and where everybody was driving a Mercedes and everybody was at the big cathedral downtown. But Jesus was out seeking. The Father seeketh. He's looking for the bruised. He's looking for the battered. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that. And he's looking for a true worshiper. He said, say not ye, there's four months. You don't have time. You need to look around you. Stop looking for the greens. And start looking for the ripes. Start looking at what everybody's throwing away. Somebody needs to go get that. That's a lost soul. Somebody needs to go get that. Come on, they're throwing them away while they're protecting their green. Oh, and they're throwing away that one. And they're throwing away that one. Somebody, no, I'm not letting that one go. I don't, I don't have six months. I don't have four months. Oh, I'll tell you what, God knows how to build an empire. Let me tell you why musicians come. Y'all like banana bread? <laughs> Throw me that one right there back a minute. See, y'all didn't even, you weren't even interested in that before. Now you want it, don't you? You want it now. Do you see him? He came and picked that one that fell off the table because this message is getting through to him. But you know what? My, my wife can make some bad banana nut bread. She don't use this. In fact, she'd say, ain't quite ready. Yeah, yeah, you liked that, didn't you? Needs to be a little more brown. And here's what's amazing is I never even was interested in bananas until I started reading about the banana man. And I found out 
This one is already going to ripen faster than this one. Because bananas don't ripen on the tree. They ripen after they're picked. And they don't know it yet. I'm helping them ripen. Go look it up on Google. I know you already are. The bruising and the scarring of a banana is what ripens it. You're not quite ready. I'm going to let life beat you up a little bit. Because you're not ready to really worship me yet. You're still seeking after money. You're still wanting to party on Friday night. You're still after those guys and girls downtown and hang out at the club and get your praise on on Sunday and get your whatever on on Tuesday. Life will beat you up a little bit. And you may hit the bottom. And then I see you like, and everybody's saying, boy, they blew it. He said, no. <laughs> I can make something real sweet out of that. This morning we talked about the seed. Tonight we're talking about the harvest. There's a lot of hurting people in Fort Myers and Lincoln. The crazier the world gets, the more bruised they're going to be. We have, what is it, 80% of the world's wealth in the United States. And we have 80% of the drug addiction. Money don't bring satisfaction. So you raise kids in a drug-filled world. You confuse them about their gender. You confuse them about whether there's God and law. You confuse them about morality. And you remove God and replace it with the state. Meanwhile, they get addicted. And then you raise them on games while you're working two jobs. And then they start trying gateway drugs like marijuana. Then they get addicted. And then they wind up, no wonder prisons are full. And addiction is out of control. Let me, let me tell you about the world your grandkids are going to be in. In a world of perversion and the internet and drug addiction, there ain't no telling what laws are going to be changed. And all over society, there's bruised people. Molested, broken, abused, abandoned, tried everything. And all the big first church of the Frigidaire, with their big cathedrals and empty houses, have nothing to offer that young man or young lady that comes in that's life's been shattered, broken. Well, they're gonna hear some dead lecture. Well, they're going to hear some old hymn of the church with a pipe organ in the background. With no altar call and accept the Lord. Like, like who do we think we are? We're going to accept the Lord. Oh, I accept you. Honey, that ain't what we need him to accept us. I, I need to figure out how do I become acceptable in his sight. And I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed so that he looks at me and says, well done. Dead religion and cute coffee talk sermons and ripped jeans from 
50-year-old preachers trying to be cool. Don't work. Not for bruised people. Not for scarred people. People who got needs, they just come cry. They're not embarrassed to go, I love you. Wednesday, we were in a restaurant getting ready for our Spanish conference. Speakers and sponsors were there. We went around the room as we were talking and pouring our heart out about what we wanted God to do. And suddenly into there was about 10 or 12 of us in, in, in the corner of that restaurant. Sitting there were chips and salsa and, and just sitting there. The presence of the Lord came in and, and one of the men said, I know we're in a restaurant, but I feel the Holy Ghost right here. I said, we need to pray. Suddenly that restaurant became a prayer meeting. And the power of the Holy Ghost began to move. And, and I opened my eyes and looked, and the bar was right down. And people were sitting at the bar going. And you could feel it got quiet in that restaurant. People at the bar, just they just stared straight ahead. People at the restaurant just kind of froze. Because the sovereign presence of God moved in. But at that table were people whose lives were bruised and battered. That God had built a kingdom out. Can I tell the Rock Church of Fort Myers? Now we're going to fill this building up. We're going to take some lessons from the banana man. And Jesus, singers come up here. Jesus takes it, peels it. Puts in his big mixing bowl. See, I, my mind works funny. You ever notice when life's all done, he says, well done. He takes it out of that oven. Tastes so good. Well done. I don't want you to ever look at a sinner the same way again. Because it could be that one you don't think there's a hope for. It could be that girl in your job that seems the hardest against everybody. It may be that man on the job that seems like he's as far from God as anybody and he's just got an attitude. But what you may not know is that attitude is covering a broken heart. What you don't know is those five men she's been married to may be covering a broken heart. She's trying to find the one that showed up at the well that day. The way the Rock Church is going to fill this place up and beyond is with the ripes. I don't know where all this is going. We got the Rock Church on the West Coast. Now we got the Rock Church on the East Coast. I got to thinking Brother Raleigh is exploding in Laurel, Mississippi. In the middle. What do you say we just start a fire? Why don't we have a, why don't we have a, a rock church? Excuse me, what, it's just me and staff meeting right here. I mean, we need a blog or something, and maybe we'll have a three-night revival here, Sacramento and Mississippi, and each one of us preach each each night. I can preach, you preach, and Brother Riley preach. Then let's go there, and then let's let's do like a combined band and combine. Let's just spread the rock church. Y'all like that? That'd be fun, huh? You know what happened? Everybody be like, we won't, we won't be rock church. Come on, sign up for our feet. 10%? I'm having fun with you. But the sweetest things are made from the bruised banana. And if Sam's a Murray literally got too powerful laws in our nation were passed to split up and break up massive corporations in fact the term banana republic is the result of what happened in Central America is that fruit company got more powerful than the government 
about a church full of ripes that gets so powerful that the devil said, we got to break that up. The devil said, hey, the kingdom's coming apart. Those people are taking over Fort Myers. Hey, I came to tell somebody, stand with me all over this house. Lessons from the banana man is you can take what everybody else gives up on. But you got to be ready to work. It's going to take ingenuity. It's going to take entrepreneurs to fund it. It's going to take businessmen. It's going to take preachers. It's going to take missionaries. It's going to, you're going to have to work some stuff out. You're going to have to rent some cars. You're, you're going to have to go down to the port. You're going to have to negotiate. You're, when it's harvest time, you got to look up, guys. You can't wait. It's right now. You can't wait four months. you got to act. When it's time to teach that Bible study, teach. When it's time to baptize, baptize. Get your eyes on the harvest. Pastor, I don't know what. I, I'm just going to tell you. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm turning this to you. I don't want y'all to ever forget the lesson from the banana man. Somebody right now lift your hands in the presence of the Lord. Come on, if you know God's going to use your hands, God's going to use your mind, God's going to use your talent, God's going to use, come on right now, lift up your hands tonight all over this house. Woo! Come on, that's it. Somebody step out of the aisle. Step out of your pew. Come on, somebody step out of your pew. Come on, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Close your eyes right now and I want you to get in your mind. There are people that God has put in your path. There are people in your neighborhoods. There are people in places you do business with. Right now, I want you to get a mental picture. These are only representatives of the people in the community that God, that you haven't even met yet. That God hasn't even exposed you to yet. And right, <laughs> right now, the call of God is in this place to this church. Right now, the voice of God. Listen. When the mantle came from God, it did not come to Elisha. It passed by him. Pastor Young, I believe that there is not only individual calls, but I believe that there are calls from God that come to entire congregations. God, God says, I've got entire congregations that I want to use you. I want to use you for miracles. I want to use you for my glory. But it is just like that experience that Elisha had. And when the mantle passed by, it didn't come to him. It passed by him. Why? Because it demands a response. It demands somebody uh, to instantaneously uh, make a decision right now. Uh, and you know what he had to do? He had to start moving. Uh, he had to reach his hand out uh, and say, whatever I've been doing, uh, it's time to lay it down. Uh, and I'm, you know what he had to do? Shift his focus. He had to get his eyes off of his field, uh, his plans, uh, his ambitions, uh, his ideas. And he had to get his eyes on what came from the heavenly. I wonder if there's anybody right now that would close your eyes and lift your hands. Uh, and right now, <laughs> right now, can you sense uh, that there is a mantle uh, of God's calling uh, and an anointing uh, that is passing by this congregation right now tonight? Uh, there is a call from heaven uh, that is sweeping over this house. Uh, and what God wants to see, uh, is there an Elisha in the field? Uh, is there a church uh, in the city uh, that will drop everything uh, and say, all right, God, uh, we're chasing after you. Uh, all right, God, we're chasing uh, after your mission. Uh, the Missio Dei. Uh, we're chasing. Come on, right now. Uh, I want you to begin to let your spirit uh, respond to the call of God right now. Uh, come on, as a church, uh, I want you to begin to respond right now. Uh, God, this isn't just about my career. Uh, this isn't about all of my plans. Uh, this isn't about
God, all my stuff, God. Oh, but I'm responding. Come on. Right now, right now, somebody begin to talk. Come on, lift your voice. Open up your nets. Come on, lift up your voice. Get ready for God. Come on, it's you. Get ready for Come on, it's passing by. that are living at a retirement age and everything in between. Do you realize that the point of life is not to just see how much you can accumulate uh, and what you can achieve down here, uh, but the point of life uh, is to lay up for yourself treasures uh, in heaven uh, where neither moth nor dust uh, doth corrupt. Uh, I wonder what could happen in the next few moments in this house uh, if somebody got your eye. Listen, here's the reality. The reality is, is everything God has placed under the purview of your hand is for the purpose of eternity. That house you're living in, guess what it's meant to do? It's meant to serve God. It's not just there to give you a roof over your head uh, and you to relax and enjoy. Uh, God gave it to you uh, to serve him with it. All of your substance, that car you're driving isn't for you to pick up chicks and look cool. It's not a status symbol. You know why God gave it to you? God gave it to you to serve him with your, with your, come on, are you getting the picture? Uh, the entire point of life uh, is God, uh, I've been called into the kingdom uh, and everything I am. Uh, if you're a business owner, did you know God didn't give you that business just to build a personal empire? I'm so tired of the ideologies of the world creeping into the church. Uh, I'm going to build my kingdom, going to build my when you got the Holy Ghost, you quit being the king over your life. You are not the king. He's the king. There's one empire we're building. That is the empire of the kingdom of God. The challenge is, how do I get everything in my life pointed at the kingdom of God? How do I get everything in my life uh, pointed at the kingdom of God? Uh, God, how does this fit the mission? Uh, God, how does this fit the call of God in my life? The call of God is not just on your pastor. God didn't just call me to this city. God called you to this city. Brother Leo, God called us uh, to reach our city. Uh, you're an evangelist. Uh, you're a missionary. Uh, God has anointed you uh, to reach. Uh, and what God needs tonight is somebody uh, to respond to that call. Uh, God when that mantle came by Elisha sacrificed the oxen he burnt the yoke you know what he was telling God Lord everything I have belongs to you everything I have God I'm putting it in your hands what I want us to do the next few moments, uh, I want us to somehow, some way, uh, in whatever way the Holy Ghost gets it on you, uh, I want us to put everything in God's hands tonight. Uh, we're, tonight we're coming before God as a church, uh, and we're saying, Lord, uh, we've got we've got a field uh, that is ripe. Uh, it's white unto harvest. Uh, 
God, here's our tools. Uh, here's our resources. Uh, here's our talent, God. Uh, help us, God. Help us reach them uh, before it's too late. Uh, we've got a short window. Come on, right now, one more time. I want us to lift our hands and begin to pray right now. Uh, come on, I want us to lift our hands uh, and begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, let's begin to pray. Come on, I want you to begin to pray. Come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I know, I know we want to shout and it's a Sunday night, but I feel a deep touch of God in this place tonight. God doesn't want us to just leave this house uh, with a pep in our step uh, and by tomorrow morning we forgot the commission and the call of God on our life. Uh, there's something deep in this house uh, that God is trying to reach uh, all over this sanctuary. Uh, come on, I need some hungry people right now to lift your hands. Uh, lift your voice right now. Uh, come on, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want us to begin to respond uh, to what the Holy Ghost is doing in this house. Uh, come on, in the name of Jesus. Uh, God, help me to see my city uh, the way you see my city, God. Uh, help me, oh God, to see the opportunities uh, the way you see them right now. Come on. Uh, come on, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Come on. Uh, Come on, in the name of Jesus, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You gave me my hands to reach out to man, to show him your love. And your perfect plan You gave me my ears I can hear your voice so clear I can hear the cry of sinners Can I wipe away their tears You gave me my voice to speak your word to sing all your praises to those who never heard come on um, with my eyes I see a need more availability I see hearts that have been broken so many people to be free come on somebody talk to him uh, Lord I'm available to you come on talk to him uh, my will I give to you I'll do what you say do me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, I'll say my story is empty and I am a big. Come on, right now, somebody, uh, would you just let those tears roll down your face as you talk to them? Come on. Uh, now I'm giving back to, you back to you All the tools you gave to me, you gave to me My hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes You can use them as you please I have emptied out my cup 
so that you can fill it up. Oh, now I'm free. I just want to be more available to you. You. Come on, talk. Lord, I'm available to you. Somebody pray to him tonight. Come on. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Do use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say. your hands tonight. Let that be your prayer tonight. Come on, lift your voice and see it tonight. Come on, Lord. Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Do use me, Lord, to show Tell my story, my story, my story, my story is my story. Talk to him tonight. And I am available to you. You, my story.